T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Anthony Heron on 670 to score. Better part of the next three hours. I am your voice. This is Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Coming to you from the Score Hyundai Studios. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Big Ant Heron. Be able to call me at different points throughout the morning here. I'll be with you up until noon on the score. Be able to give me a call or shoot me a text at 312 644 6767. That is 312. 312- 644-6767. Tech Zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time shop online at rosenhyundai.com. Great lineup of guests that we will have on the show as well. Score Hotline presented by Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And it's going to be a very, very fun show that I have in store for you today. Good to hear, uh, good to hear Jungle Boogie on a, in, in the AM hours we we don't normally uh at least when i'm here with you especially on a sunday we don't normally uh open up with the jungle boogie because i'm normally not here early in the mornings but good to hear that good to get your your sunday morning rolling in that manner very excited for the return of the chicago bulls after having a couple of games postponed due to all the the covet complications not only with the guys at the united center but all throughout the nba and the nhl and the nfl there will be plenty to get into in that regard also. But the Bulls will be back. You'll be able to hear them this evening on The Score. That's going to be at 7 o'clock. They've got the Los Angeles Lakers showing up here in Chi-Town. So they're going to take on LeBron. Apparently not AD from the way things are looking there. He's got an MCL strain. But the Bulls, while the roster are a bit depleted for the moment, they will be back on the court. You'll be able to hear that game here on The Score, the game itself, at 7 o'clock. And... I did reference that great lineup of guests. One of the guests who will join us will be the voice of the Bulls, Chuck Swirsky, will be with us on the show 
later this morning. He'll be talking about what's been happening with the Bulls and what we expect to see, what the lineup exactly is going to look like. Still, uh, I suppose, probably some degree of, of uncertainty associated with things, but it's nice to see some individuals set to return here, like DeMar DeRozan is going to be back in the lineup tonight. A few who we know will be out for a slightly more extended period of time, but Kobe White and Javante Green also expected to be seen this evening as well. So very excited about that. You'll be able to hear that game on the score here. And of course, it is the the holiday season. So we are on December 19th. We are less than a week away from Christmas. So I'm sure, uh, you know, like many of you out there, I, I myself am certainly still getting my act together between now and, uh, and next weekend. Um, you know, the the shopping season is in full force. I try to find those moments as, as uh, you know, if I'm outside the house doing something to try to step away and take care of what I need to take care of. Make sure I'm, uh, anybody out there listening can raise your hand if, if you're with me on that. Just not not quite as far along with the shopping as as you might anticipate, certainly as I anticipate myself to be this period of the, the Christmas season. But there's still time, though the clock ticks, dot, dot, dot. So make sure you take care of that. You take care of yourself. Take care of all your loved ones out there who you plan to make sure you are uh, you, you are keeping them in your thoughts and making them feel special with anything that, that I suppose your money can buy by the time we get to next Saturday. I feel like it's rare, certainly in – at least in my memory banks, thinking of a Christmas day that's going to be on a on a Saturday. So that'd be an experience next weekend. Kind of throws off the anybody who's anticipating having those holidays off. So hopefully your your bosses are, are honoring if you are one of the people who normally gets like Christmas Eve or Christmas Day off or day after Christmas. And now that it's fallen on the weekend, hopefully that doesn't end up affecting your work your work day, your work schedule in a way where for some reason you're not getting all the time off that you would normally be allotted. Make sure you talk to uh, those direct reports about those things. I know for me, you know, this is one of those holidays where now I will, I will have work to do on the weekends. Uh, my work for this weekend, I'll also be in addition to hosting here on The Score this morning. Uh, later on tonight at 10, you'll be able to find me on The Sports Zone with Luke Canellis on Fox 32. That's something we do every Sunday night at 10. I'm with him throughout the football season. So that is always a good time since the Bears don't play until tomorrow night, Monday night football. We'll have some Bears topics to get into, but we'll cover a bunch of other stuff just like I'm going to do with you here throughout the show today. Um, I, I mentioned shopping, and as I'm just kind of thinking out loud about that, it, it does occur to me that as I do end up, because I've bought a few things for the wife. I don't know. Uh, where you're at from a shopping perspective, Brian Callahan on the ones and twos for me this morning. I don't know if you're if you're a last minute shopper, if you got all the the shopping for the people in your world done that you feel like you need to get done. But for me, I I tend to be a last minute guy with some things. I do have a couple things for the wife. I'm still trying to make sure I got everything tied together between now and Christmas and those those few days. Some of that will be spent making sure that uh that I got that right on her behalf. How, how are you from a shopping perspective, Brian? I am a last-minute shopper. I procrastinator. I never, ever hurry up on this, and I never learn my lesson. Now, so, for some people, six days to go is already last minute. So when you're saying last minute, is that you You are just getting it started now, or you haven't bought a thing yet? You're going to be like Christmas Eve trying to do your thing? So I am a 
terrible, not thoughtful human being, I always go for the <laughs> gift cards. <laughs> it's okay. that last minute right. kind of like I need to throw something together. And yeah, that's a that's a character flaw right there. I need to I keep telling myself every year I'm going to I'm going to be better next year and it never, ever happens. You know, my biggest Christmas character flaw is that I cannot stand wrapping gifts. There, there are a few things in this world that I enjoy less than than somebody handing me some wrapping paper and some scotch tape and telling me to go to town. It, I, I just I, I would rather be I would rather go through some kind of torture chamber than have to sit there and wrap gifts. I know it's just it's a part of the gig this time of year. One of those things that you do. But I, I find as many ways as I can come up with to to avoid having to wrap things. You know, you want to buy me uh, a bag, or I'll go out and buy some bags and put the little fancy you know, torn up pieces of paper in it and make it look, you know, like it's something special that way. But as far as just folding paper around, you know, some odd shaped item and trying to tape it together, I can't stand it, man. I can't even swim. You throw me in the deep <laughs> end of the ocean, I would rather do that than wrap gifts. I would say that would be my character flaw this time of year as much as anything. Well, Big Ant, uh, you know, we're talking about not having, you know, uh, shops where we're figuring out last minute gifts. We're talking about not being able to wrap. There's, there's probably a, a sponsor for this program later on that might be able to might be able yeah. to help us all out here but we'll we'll get to that in a little bit right right an, an astute observation on your part as we come to expect on these airwaves yeah man uh, the, the whole the whole gift wrapping thing that is i'm i'm capable of it to some extent and it's really not because legitimately i'm not good at it but that's not the reason i don't enjoy it it's just for whatever reason the task that uh that I'm not necessarily with that much. But actually, if anybody out there, because I, like I mentioned, I got a few things for the wife. Anybody out there, you go ahead. If you got other ideas for things to to get that special person in your life, I'm always open to suggestions. I got a, got a couple items that I like. I'm going I'm to try to keep increasing the depth chart here between now and, uh, and next Saturday as we celebrate Christmas in my family. And certainly happy holidays to everybody out there celebrating, you know, not only Christmas, but every other holiday out there under the sun that gets the love it deserves this time of year. Uh, been flying a lot more here recently as well, which, you know, for the last couple of years, like I, I was at the point where I would fly like over 100,000 miles every year. I'm, I'm a United Airlines guy. I would just get, I was 1K status just over and over again on an annual basis. You could count on me 1K and beyond, and for obvious reasons, that hadn't really been the case since 2019, basically. Um, but for, for the amount of traveling I'm doing in the last, you know, let's call it month or so, month plus here, month and a half, been flying a few times. So that's a, a different experience I've been kind of getting in lately. I'm getting, getting more accustomed to it, being back at the airport, being in the security lines, and you know, even having TSA pre-check now, but I mean, you know, pretty much every like TSA pre-check used to be this special thing that only, you know, like unique individuals had. Now, you know, feels like half the airport has TSA pre-check. So those lines are, are still long. Um, but depending on which which airport and different spots of the country I've been flying through lately, you know, it certainly does, you know, expedite the process. But it is, you know, it's taking a little bit of getting used to just being being back out there. Fortunately, I haven't, especially not on, on a flight itself, haven't had any of those incidents where some lunatic is like attacking flight attendants or anything or like asking them, hey, could you pull your mask above your nose? Ah! Like all those weird uh, internet videos that you see folks. Those uh, people are the worst. Yeah, yeah. They, they would be the ones even beyond me not wanting to wrap a gift or you being a last second shopper. Those people are worse than than either of us. I, I would agree with that. But I uh, haven't, haven't had those experiences on a plane, which is good. Um, but we'll see. 
you know, as I continue to get back more and more and they're flying a little more frequently, who knows? Maybe that'll be something I'll eventually experience. And then you'll see me on some internet video out there tackling somebody because they're tackling a flight attendant or whatever. We'll see. We'll see. I haven't had to tackle anybody in a minute. Um, but unfortunately, seems like a white Christmas is not going to be in our future for next weekend, which is a little bit disappointing, but I, I guess shout out to global warming. We'll see. Um, you know, <laughs> toys in general, before we get off of Christmas and move on to some sports, it did pop into my head. We're, we're going to do a lot of Christmas music throughout the show, and especially uh, in the, the second hour of the program, we've got a really fun exercise that we're going to go through. We'll detail for you a little bit later, but while this is in my head, I am curious, Do you have a, is there a favorite toy? that stands out to you, like something in your past, especially something from your childhood that was like the favorite gift that you ever had? I, I could start with mine and give you a second to think about it, Brian. But mine was, I don't know if if you, I'm not completely sure how old you are, but if the, the toy My Buddy sounds familiar to you, I'm sure there's some folks out there listening in right now that would remember the toy My Buddy. There was like a cool little jingle, a theme song that went with it. My Buddy, My Buddy. Wherever I go. So my parents got me, uh, my buddy at some point. Actually, I got multiple my buddies because I, when I was, you know, really young, they got me the initial my buddy, the OG my buddy. And then at some point, I, as I was like, because it it was almost, it was pretty much what the Chucky, the Child's Play dolls were basically based off of my buddy. My buddies became so popular. Like for whatever reason, the, the the dolls that everyone remembers are the Cabbage Patch Kids because those are the ones that everybody collected. My buddies didn't really get collected, I guess, in that same way. But they were better than Cabbage Patch Kids, in my opinion. Like my, my sister had Cabbage Patch Kids. I had my buddies. But the initial my buddy, as I'm like wrestling around with my, my buddy doll, I popped the head off. As I was like, I don't know, I put it in, in some kind of headlock or DDT or something. I popped the head off to my buddy at one point. So, of course, I'm very disappointed because I played too rough with my, my buddy. But then the next year, next Christmas time came along, Santa brought me the wink and blink, my buddy. Man, you couldn't tell me nothing when I got that wink and blink, my buddy. I was like, hey, man, this is the most awesome gift I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was always right with the world, you know, kind of like the, the Red Rider BB gun. So, got my wink and blink, my buddy. So, I would say probably... Probably the original. My, it's a tough one. I, I'd say the even though the wink and blink, my buddy, was a, I guess like a higher level of gift. I think the original, my buddy, probably qualifies as my favorite Christmas gift of all time. Even though the wink and blink was kind of the higher level of it, but it's the sequel. So a lot of times the sequel won't just you know, just get all the way to that you. point of I mean it did but just in you know in the the level of reverence I have for the two of them the original my buddy I do hold in a higher esteem than the wink and blink even though the wink and blink was kind of a higher level gift but because the original the OG was the first one I'm paying that little extra homage to the original my buddy so I would rank that slightly higher than the wink and blink in my heart. But what, what was your favorite toy gift you ever got as a kid? Oh, man. So uh, I was like four five years old in the, the early 90s. And the best 
Christmas I ever had was getting some Power Rangers action figures. Okay. That's okay. uh yeah, and particularly the the Green Ranger mm-hmm. had the uh had the uh gold like breastplate that could snap on. But these things were pretty cool. You could uh you could push their 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 little belts and the Power Rangers always had this this phrase, it's morphin time. So All you right. would, yeah, yeah, you'd you'd press their belt and it would flip from the the character without the mask to they're in full form. So that was uh, that was probably the best. I, I remember a lot of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from like right. the the generation yeah. slightly before yeah. me, and I, I think I half sale. Yeah, uh-huh. I think I, I got some of those in garage sales after uh, <laughs> after those were kind of retired in a sense. But yeah, we sh- that's that's something. Like there's a a uh, a power rankings for you know mm. all these fad christmas toys like mm. you know you got my buddies on top i would think power rangers would be on there tickle mm. me elmo furby oh right yeah and and elmo is still uh far at least in, in our house so elmo is still a, a really big deal and there's a cool documentary about sesame street that's out there right now it's on it's on hbo and hbo max and hbo going out it's, it's on it's running on hbo right now it's called i don't want to i think it's called like it's called street gang um, our uh, how we got to set that's what it, Street Gang how we got to Sesame Street is what it's called and it's actually running on HBO right now and you know while they don't necessarily spend a lot of time focused on Elmo and the specific characters uh, but it's really more about all the the humans the real people behind the scenes who actually put the show together not even just Jim Henson in the process of puppeteering and everything else but just what the what the impetus was behind the launching of Sesame Street and the various hurdles that they kind of went through with with casting and storylines and and just how you you know try to have educational programming like this and who who it's made available to and sort of what the goals of it were at the time and continue to be up to this point anybody out there and I think I might have mentioned um sometime here, here recently just talking about kind of you know in, in a way almost feeling like it's documentary season <laughs> where we're spending more time indoors and that that's a good one if you haven't seen it yet make sure you you check it out if you like documentaries and this one is a really interesting one just giving you kind of a behind the scenes look at at what goes on uh with sesame street and certainly what went on in the past with sesame street just to kind of get it off the ground and it's a you know i think a lot of us who grew up watching it as it feels like pretty much everyone on planet earth did at this point over decades and decades of it being on, you know, 40 plus years at this point. But it, I, I enjoyed that one a lot, but, uh, you know, you see a little bit of Elmo on there. Elmo certainly isn't the star of the show though. It's really, it's more about the, the people who, who invented Sesame street and what their purpose was and everything like that. But I don't know. Maybe we'll get back into some more Sesame Street details later on. But I did re- reference, we got a great lineup of guests on the show today who are going to join me on the Circle Resort and Casino Hotline. We uh, Later on this hour, we'll have Dr. Bill Maurice, president from the Mayo Clinic, because obviously such a big storyline in the, in the sports world at large, certainly in the professional sports world as much as anything with these various leagues, the NBA and the, the NHL and the NFL certainly being affected. You know, some rosters just being ravaged by COVID at this point. And I always love being able to talk to Dr. Maurice just specifically about how – how as a society we're managing COVID and he is a 
big, big sports fan. And so, you know, be able to talk in detail. And he actually, he's at the Mayo Clinic. He's in Minnesota. So, you know, he may even have some inside scoop on anything happening with the Vikings and how they're handling things. And certainly how these various sports leagues are, are handling things with COVID and, and just scientifically where we're at right now with Omicron and, and everything else. So we'll be able to talk to a Dr. Maurice really in just a few short minutes here. I reference Chuck Swirsky. He's going to join us also in the second hour of the show. You know him. You hear him here all the time. The radio voice of the Chicago Bulls and Ron Johnson, one of my former competitors. I competed against him in in, uh, in college when I was at Iowa. He was at Minnesota. He's now one of the you know all Vikings and Gophers TV and radio analysts in the Twin Cities. There, uh, he's with KFAN and he's with uh, Fox Nine there in Minnesota. Be able to talk to Ron Johnson coming up later in the show also, and just get his thoughts. His take, his breakdown on what to expect as the Vikings and the Bears are going to get it on on Monday Night Football tomorrow night. When we return, though, there is a – it's not breaking news. It, it has broken. It broke in the, the wee hours just a, a few mornings ago, and there's some of the reaction to it out there that leads a, a certain Hall of Fame caliber coach where a lot of folks seem to be hoping he ends up here in Chicago. And I will give my thoughts on, on whether or not that is plausible, whether or not that is reasonable, and how things went down in Jacksonville. We'll do that next here. I'm Anthony Heron on Twitter and Instagram, at Big Ant Heron. This is Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Little NFL news, Urban Meyer. What a piece of crap. I got grabber. A reference that was a, a few mornings ago, and so as the news broke, it you know like one ish in the morning. You know, certainly near one in the morning. It was definitely after midnight into the following day, where the news came out that the Jacksonville Jaguars had, I guess, finally fired Coach Urban Meyer. We're moving on from him, and uh, you know it's going to be a lot. For Shot Khan to figure out there in Jacksonville, you, of course, have the the reigning number one overall pick in Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. And so now the, the Jags, I suppose in theory, between having a, a quarterback with the talents of Trevor Lawrence and having all kinds of uh, cap space that will continue to be available to them and still a number of draft picks remaining that weren't all expended this past draft cycle, then there's the potential to build something. It, it certainly hasn't been built yet in Jacksonville, but there's an owner with deep pockets. There's new facilities talking about being built. Jacksonville, Florida, isn't the worst place on earth to live. So it will be an enticing opportunity for whoever the next Jacksonville Jaguars coach will be. And I, I think most of us, when Urban Meyer first left uh, left the Ohio State University, went in TV for a couple of years. I was immediately talking about it on a Big Ten radio show that I didn't think he was done coaching. He was still in his, in his what, like mid-50s at that point. There was no reason to think he wasn't going to step back onto the sideline again. I mean, we'd seen him go through that before when he left the University of Florida and said he was going to spend more time with his family, supposedly, and uh, he – I guess did that for a couple of minutes and went into television. And obviously TV doesn't take up nearly as much time as being a major college football coach does. But after he did the ESPN thing for a moment, then he got back into coaching at Ohio State, added to his historic legacy 
with all the wins and the national championship and the, the Big Ten titles while he was the head man of the Buckeyes. And he uh, decided to to step away from there amidst some controversy, just like there was some controversy that was swirling as he stepped away from the Florida gig. And now this is the third consecutive job for Urban Meyer that he steps away from in controversy uh, in leaving or in being fired at this point from Jacksonville. And, you know, I I wouldn't necessarily say that I, I assumed he wasn't going to be successful in the NFL. I, I was doing my mea culpa about Cliff Kingsbury uh, just not too long ago when the Bears were, were facing the Cardinals. I mean, you know, I, it, it's hard to predict with any real certainty as a guy makes that transition from college to the NFL whether or not they're going to be able to figure it out, whether or not their personality suits pro athletes and, and whether it does or doesn't, the schematic adjustments that are necessary, do, do you have the, I guess, do you have the humility to be willing and able to adjust what made you so successful in your prior stints? Can you adjust sort of on the fly and figure out how you become a successful pro coach? And in, in a lot of different ways that folks describe Urban Meyer, certainly not everybody is, is all out on Urban Meyer. You know, there's been a lot of folks who won a lot of games with him and had a lot of positive experiences with him and everything else. But like I referenced, everywhere this guy leaves, there has been some controversy that's been there as he steps away from gigs. But if nothing else, I, I think it's, it's difficult to find anyone who would necessarily call Urban Meyer humble. So I think the humility that, that can be necessary to be a successful coach who transitions from college to the professional ranks, that does seem to be something that that eluded Urban Meyer, at least in this this first time through in Jacksonville. But I, I was reading, um, you know, on A to Z Sports, they went through and sort of detailed a bit of the timeline of, of sort of the things that have gone down in the less than a year since Urban Meyer took that job with the Jags. And, you know, and, and sort of the reason, not only just because it was obviously a big story in the NFL towards the end of the week as, as far as just what's worthy of addressing here, but I, I did see some, you know, some Bears fans, some Bears followers on social media kind of, you know, posing the, the question, the inquiry of, of whether or not the Bears, if they move on from Matt Nagy, whether or not they should consider Urban Meyer. Obviously, Urban Meyer was, was a, a part of, of the, the process of, of recruiting Justin Fields to Ohio State. Uh, by the time Ryan Day became the head coach, that was when Justin Fields came in as the the starting QB. So Justin Fields never truly played for Urban Meyer, but he is certainly he certainly knows and is familiar with Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer basically set the program in place that Justin Fields played in in Columbus for his couple of years there, while obviously Ryan Day was the head coach and play caller. But I mean, if nothing else, you know, it's a, a guy who won three national championships in college and won a whole bunch of games before he got to Jacksonville. And I think in the like in the first four weeks of the season, like Jacksonville starting 0-4 was, you know, as, as many games as, as Urban Meyer had had lost here uh, recently in college. He had never lost four games or more in any one season over the past like 15 years or something like that as a coach. But it aside from that success that he had as a head man you know there there was always there was always something else that that trailed him whether it was all the the infractions that he was letting players get away with in florida uh whether it was while he was you know at ohio state and 
you know, what was going on with assistant coaches and, and himself and allowances that were getting made there. And certainly in Jacksonville, the, the timeline on A to Z sports is the one I was just going to detail for you here, just because if you, if you're looking beyond all the, the success that was had in college and just look at the last year, he got hired in January as the head coach of Jacksonville um, you know, the hiring of Miles strength coach at Iowa, Chris Doyle, that was the immediate thing, like less than a month since he had had that job in February. He announced he was going to hire Chris Doyle. That went over with quite the resounding thud. So, you know, basically like 48 hours later, Chris Doyle stepped down from that job um, in, in May. The Tim Tebow signing was was panned across the league. And I think that, you know, you had the, the Chris Doyle hiring followed by the the signing of Tim Tebow, which in his so in his initial moves as the head coach and essentially the personnel man, head coach slash GM in Jacksonville, you saw that that major personnel decisions, both for a key assistant coach and a player on his ninety man roster, these moves were more just Urban Meyer essentially doing friends favors as opposed to truly valuing what that what that opportunity was really valuing how every person that that walks through those doors that you need to place the the proper value on what they can mean to your franchise so it it, you know came off in those initial moves at least the ones that got the the most notice between Chris Doyle and Tim Tebow really came across early on like Urban Meyer was really out here at best treating this like a college job if not you know even you know perhaps to to some lesser extent if if not treating it like a college job that he was really pouring all him all of himself into but maybe even just treating it like sort of a, a buddy system where he's just doing folks favors whether or not they're the best suited people for that task at hand like if Urban Meyer was still a college coach and Tim Tebow was out there playing tight end at that point he wouldn't have recruited Tim Tebow as a tight end he never played the position before and you were going to ask him to do it against some of the best in the business to to try and and ply his trade somewhere where he had never actually done it before, so that it it showed some of the judgment and some of the lack thereof very early in the time that Urban Meyer was there in Jacksonville. It eventually got fined in July for violating practice contact rules around the NFL. I don't know what you know. He he obviously hadn't had experiences with a players' union before in college. Pretty much what he said went and media access that he determined thumbs up and thumbs down. That was how things went at all of his college stops. Very different deal. And it's not like Jacksonville is this, you know, pressure cooker of an NFL job with a, a city and a market that's going to, you know, just have media crawling from every crevice of the facility. It's not like Chicago or New York or, or Philly or Boston or you name it, but it's still an NFL team. It's one of 32 of those on the planet so, yeah, there, there's going to be scrutiny and there's a players association. There's a union with with rules that you have to adhere to. So that was certainly a, a learning experience. Let's call it for Urban Meyer. And then you got into what was happening during the preseason and the regular season, just with run ins with assistant coaches, run ins with players, the, the ego of Urban Meyer just seemingly in the way and, and not as he ended up talking to um, the NFL Network about not handling losing well. It's one thing to not handle losing well, but to reportedly get into a room and call all of your assistants who you hired to call them all losers and then to just sort of, you know, put them on the griddle in front of everybody else and essentially tell them to 
verbally prove why they're not a loser. Like, when have you won before? I, I don't know what it does. What, what, he, what he's thinking he gets out of the people who work with him and work under him in that situation to, to basically embarrass them in front of their peers and to put himself on a pedestal. Just ver- like it's one thing if in your head you recognize that you're one of the greatest coaches of all time and you've got one of the, one of the most resplendent, resplendent resumes that the sport has ever seen. But truly, to just out in front of everyone, tell everybody how great you are and to have them try and verbalize why they're awesome enough to be in the room with you, that's, that's kind of preschool stuff. Like that's, that's, that's a level of, uh, of hubris that, it, that is beyond me. But I think it, that is a look inside the, the personality of Urban Meyer. And so my impression, you know, and I wouldn't say that it's necessarily gotten a groundswell on Twitter yet, but you know how things go in the Twitter sphere. So since I'm here on these airways, I figured I'd at least take an opportunity to uh, to say that I do not, I don't believe the McCaskies are going to look to hire Urban Meyer, or regardless of how how the relationship may be between himself and Justin Fields. I, I don't think that what we've seen from him in the National Football League in less than a year would lead the Chicago Bears, would lead, frankly, probably any other NFL team at the moment to think that Urban Meyer would be the answer to what ails them. Will he get another college gig if he wants it? Without a doubt. I believe 100% if Urban Meyer isn't done coaching football in his mind, which, you know, who knows what's happening in his home life, but I'm sure many of you saw the video that was out there from a few weeks ago when he decided not to fly home with his team. And, uh, you know, if he's not trying to spend extra time at home, like he said he was, you know, not necessarily worried about when he left Florida, then I, I, don't, I don't know that. I would imagine that his mea culpa he did with NFL.com is partially because he would like to get back into coaching sooner than later. My anticipation is that that's going to be at the college level. I don't think there's going to be another NFL squad, especially not the one here in Chicago with the McCaskey family running it. I don't get the impression that that's something one of these NFL teams with a head coaching vacancy is going to be looking for. We are looking forward to our next guest joining us on the hotline. Dr. Bill Maurice from the Mayo Clinic will be be next on The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. It's a part of the process. There's a lot of other coaches that are going through this, and I think uh, this is what what you deal with. So it's it's the next man up, next coach up. I think the coaches have been great all week long trying to work through when when we can't Zoom and we're at practice, the mechanics of how that goes. They've done a great job, and players as well. You know, we got some guys back, uh, Cheryl, a few days ago, and they're back at it. And today being able to go full speed was nice, you know, not to have the the walkthrough because of limited numbers. So it's been good. At the voice of Bears head coach, Matt Nagy, just describing the adjustments on the fly being made here in Chicago, being made all throughout the National Football League at the moment. It's one thing I, I do respect where Matt Nagy continues to remind folks when they ask him about how difficult this is for himself, for the Bears, you name it. It's like, yeah, it's what we're going through here. We're making it happen. And a lot of other coaches and staffs and teams around the league going through this as well. The sports world now uh, going through this again for the second year in a row as we enter the winter time frame and arise a spike in COVID numbers, and as I tend to do, as I've been doing for a couple of years now, as we've been trying to figure this COVID deal out, I try to get 
the doctor on the lines. It's one thing for me to read things or to hear things that are reported and to talk to you from, from my brain or from my lips, but I don't study these things for a living. A man who does, though, is Dr. Bill Maurice from the Mayo Clinic. He is the president of Mayo Clinic Labs. He joins me now on the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. Bill, how are you doing this morning? Great, Ed. How are you doing? I'm doing outstanding, Doc. I really appreciate your time as always. And, you know, no offense, but I was really kind of hoping that these uh, these interactions that we tend to have on the airwaves would perhaps be be less. They have been less frequent throughout this year compared to last year. But we now do have this, this new spike, these new storylines of how COVID is affecting the sports world and your expertise is always appreciated. Before we sort of lock in directly on on the NFL and specifically, you know, what's happening here in Chicago or anything like that. Just on the macro, I'm, I'm curious for your thoughts on how it, it seems that we see professional sports leagues, the, the NHL and NBA sort of taking one approach that seems to be, you know, a little more stringent, a little more, you know, making sure that they are testing with enhanced frequency, where the NFL seems to be taking more of the, the opposite approach as it relates to to asymptomatic players, vaccinated players. I'm wondering, how do you, what, what are your impressions of how that part is playing out where each league seems to be uh, having different policies, taking different approaches? Yeah, well, first of all, it's, it's, uh, as much as it, I enjoy joining you, I agree. I, I think we we're all hoping that we wouldn't be, uh, you know, having a holiday reunion to talk about COVID and its yeah. impact on sports. But uh, unfortunately, we are. And if you step back, I mean, in a way, it's not surprising based on what we now know about how the vaccines work and how it interacts with COVID. So, I mean, we, what we've learned is that the vaccines do prevent people from getting sick um, with COVID quite effectively, but they, they don't prevent you from catching it, right, or being able to spread it as well. It decreases it, but doesn't reduce it to zero. And so, you know, how the leagues are approaching this, the NFL looked at that and said, well, we have a lot of players that will test positive that will not get sick at all. So, you know, if they're asymptomatic, so why would we be concerned about that? You know, what, why it's disproportionately affecting teams. You look what happened with the Browns Raiders and, you know, a lot of games getting, you know, rescheduled, postponed into the week here. Um, and that could just be worse with, with, you know, playoffs approach and everything else. Um, whereas the other leagues are, you know, seem to be taking the approach of, with that same information, still being concerned about the fact that, yes, it doesn't prevent, it decreases the chances that people will get really sick, but it doesn't make it zero. We did have a player here on the Vikings, Dakota Dozier, you know, earlier in the fall um, that got, he ended up, he was fully vaccinated and ended up having to go to the hospital with respiratory issues um, from COVID. So it's really how cautious the leagues are being. Um, and, and how they're trying to balance the fact that most players will be protected, whereas some will get really sick. And, and even the NFL, you could see that they're trying to, you know, personalize it by allowing players who are concerned about the risk, um, you know, being able to opt out for the season. Because the reality is, because of what I just mentioned on the vaccines, we, we can't get the, the COVID, unfortunately, to zero anywhere in we've seen anywhere in the country and let alone on sports teams and the the way that the nfl is going about it and a lot of the the response or reaction that i tend to hear and, and see from the public is essentially that since the athletes aren't aren't at as great a risk they're not in a demographic that's a part of the greater risk category suffering 
kind of severe health complications from COVID, then what is the point of testing them? What's the point of being up in arms? What's the point of, of having them isolate? And the, the reminder I've tried to put out there is that these athletes are, are a part of the larger communities that surround them as well. And so the, the approach that the various leagues are taking, how, I, I suppose, what, what do you see as the, the proper approach in trying to make sure you're still detecting COVID to help control the spread while, you know, th- there are legitimate concerns for how much of your schedule, how much of your league should be shut down if your workforce is not necessarily one that, that's going to suffer those health complications? Well, that's a really good question. And I do think that, I mean, we've heard this voice by a lot of players in a lot of different sports is that it's not just about them. It's about the people that they're in contact with. And certainly the, the, the NFL isn't going to tell people not to get tested if they're concerned. You know, they're just not making it mandatory for asymptomatic individuals to get tested. Um, the other piece of it is that the NFL really has had no evidence of on-field transmission. So, you know, it's not like a player, and that's part of what their stance is, too, is that's not like an undetected COVID case is going to cause a spreader event on the field. But, you know, it, it really is um, – you can make an argument that players would be allowed to – should be allowed to to uh, play and then potentially isolate away from the playing field if they are worried about spreading it to others if they're not sick. But, you know, it, it, that might not be re- realistic. And so it'll just be – that's why I think there's going to be a lot of individual, you know, players have people in, in their lives that they're really worried about spreading COVID to, uh, and they're worried they're going to catch it in the locker room and bring it home. I think they're allowing those players to opt out, which seems reasonable. Um, you could see it from both ways. You could say, gosh, a lot of players will be required to not participate if we stay by the, the current, you know, what before their announcement, um, that we'll never get sick and we're really disrupting games and people's livelihoods. Um, by being able to participate, and then that's on the side that we should accept the risk, and then on the side that we should be more cautious are all the things that you bring it up. So that's what makes it really hard. There's not there's not a hard and fast answer, and there are things with Omicron which we could talk about, which I think are are also um, kind of driving some of these policies. I'm glad you referenced that. Is exactly where I'd like to head next. My discussion with Dr. Bill Maurice of the Mayo Clinic, president of Mayo Clinic Labs. You can find Dr. Maurice on Twitter, where he is constantly tweeting very helpful and informative items there on his Twitter account at Maurice MD PhD. With Omicron, um, the my impression right now, my understanding is that it it can be transmitted even more rapidly than than the initial strains of COVID, while perhaps has not proven up to this point as deadly as as those were proving themselves to be where where are we at right now just with the information on on the risk associated with contracting the omicron variant well it's uh you know i think one of the most frustrating things about this entire pandemic I and mean, as you mentioned <laughs> we've been talking for almost two years and yet there's there's really a lot our approach to what we know about covid has not changed in many ways and that it takes us a while to get enough information to really be definitive so what we know about this new variant, number one, it is definitely more easily spread. It has higher transmissibility, maybe even three or four times easier to spread than Delta, which was, you know, the, the most spreading COVID variant prior to Omicron. We also know that prior infection or immunization um, is not, it protects, but not nearly as much as it does for some of the other strains. The number I've heard is about 20% being, being vaccinated reduces your risk about 20% of catching Omicron. Um, and then last but not least, to your point, 
there is a suggestion that it might cause less severe disease, uh, significantly less, be more like a common cold, which would be great. But the problem is with that is that we just can't be sure because many of the people who've caught it have already been vaccinated, so they would be expected to have less severe illness. So I think that's partial. You know, it does appear the only people who are really have strong protection against this variant are those who have been immunized and boosted. That's why you kind of hear, you could kind of see that today when I was reading about the NFL, why there's now an emphasis on boosters, but of course they don't even have mandatory vaccination. Um, and But that once it gets in the locker room, even when if people are vaccinated, it's going to really spread. So, But it might not make people as sick. So I think that's kind of what they're looking at here is that if Omicron comes and it's here in the U.S., if it gets on these teams, you know, you'll have teams that will be shut down because many, you know, 80% of the players, even if they're vaccinated, could get could get positive and could get a little bit sick. So that's what we know right now with Omicron. Um, I was in Washington, D.C. earlier this week um, as part of the – I'm also the head of the American Clinical Laboratory Association, so the Trade Association for Labs, meeting with government officials, trying to anticipate what's going to happen. Um, so – and it does – there is some concern that we'll see some higher case numbers here in January, which, of course, be right around the peak for NBA, NHL, and uh, NFL playoffs. And, of course, those sports you're referencing there, and you, you live there in, in the Twin Cities at the Mayo Clinic. And, well, you don't live at the Mayo Clinic, but there where the Mayo Clinic is, is located, and so all the professional sports teams are there available to you. You've got the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, just like we do here in Chicago. Indoor sports versus outdoor sports, that, that was for a while a, a big conversation that was happening. And I, I wonder, do you have the impression that that perhaps factors into the NHL and NBA taking one approach that's perhaps more, more aggressive with testing still at this point versus the NFL where the majority of, of their franchises operate outdoors? Yeah, for sure. I, I think, well, I can't say for sure because it's not like I've advised Recently, although I have been in contact with some of the medical officials from different leagues throughout the pandemic, um, and you're, you're right, the NFL is definitely different. There's been no documented spread on the field of play. Um, NHL and NBA, we you know we had that here last year, where you'd have an outbreak on. We had the Avalanche that had an outbreak. They played the Wild. The Wild got an outbreak. So it does appear, and there's been documented case in cases of spread during play in ice hockey, probably because of the cold air and players being close together. NBA, I'm not as sure, but, you know, you would think that would also be high risk, and certainly we kind of saw some of that early days of the pandemic. So here, of course, the NBA, you know, the, the Timberwolves in particular are really um, are very much, are really passionate about the issue of COVID because, of course, Cat has had, unfortunately, his, mo- his mother passed away from COVID and had family members pass away. So, you know, for a lot of these guys, it's very real. Um, you know, the, the ravages of the pandemic. So, but I do think that that's also being taken into account as these different leagues kind of approach, approach their COVID protocols. And the, the way that the leagues have handled it up, up to this point, you referenced how especially the NFL really sort of pushing their players more and more without mand- mandating it, but making sure that, that vaccinations and now boosters are a big part of the conversation Give us a sense for the the latest data on the timeline of, of how long, you know, and obviously athletes would be along similar lines for the, the general populace as far as how long the, the initial vaccines are proving effective and boosters at this point and the expectations for where that's at just to help limit your, your health risks with COVID. Yeah, so what we know with the vaccines is that it appears that probably about 
somewhere around six months after you've been vaccinated or had an infection that your immunity really starts to drop, you know, and that's, um, and that you were at risk then of catching COVID again. And that chances, you know, chances are it will be more mild, but it's not certain. I mean, that's what we know about the current vaccines. And even what's, what's happening now with COVID, it's probably just from the fact that many of the vaccinated players are kind of hitting that six month window. It's and more Delta, you know, people have asked me, mm. emailed me and asked me, is this Omicron? It's probably still, we don't have much Omicron in the U S yet. So it's probably more just Delta. Um, the boosters definitely help both for both Pierce Omicron as well as all the other strains in terms of preventing reinfection. It's usually about six months. I know some countries like Denmark actually shortened that to five months. Um, so we might see the leaks kind of go that direction. And then in terms of side effects, it really is no, they're no worse. I mean, if you, if the only, if someone's had a bad reaction, a player or anyone's had a bad reaction to one of the shots, then you, they probably have to, you know, not get the booster just because they'll get a, a severe reaction. But by and large, it, it seems to be as safe as the, as the other shots. And, and lastly, Doc, like I myself, my initial vaccination I got was the Pfizer and then my booster, I got Moderna. So I, I haven't tried the, the Johnson Johnson yet, but there was the, the recent information that came out saying that Johnson Johnson did have a, a higher risk of, of complications uh, from having that vaccination versus the other two. What, what can you share about, you know, whether or not, I don't know, is Johnson Johnson still safe? Should you definitively try to get one of the other two, even though it's multiple injections that are necessary for that? Because, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, certain folks out there who are saying, yeah, I wanted to wait. You know, I, I told you I didn't want to get those those shots. <laughs> and now this information about Johnson & Johnson comes out and folks feel, I suppose, validated in their concerns to some extent. Yeah, well, so what we know about the, the, the Johnson & Johnson actually is that they now are recommending that um, anyone that had that you actually get two shots because you're right. That was one of the big advantages of the Johnson & Johnson early on was that it appeared that one shot might be effective and be easier to get everyone to get one shot rather than two. Um, now, you know, it appears everyone should get, you know, two shots, including the Johnson & Johnson. In fact, now probably three with the booster. Um, there is a risk of clotting. It's very rare, though, still, with the Johnson & Johnson. It's not like it's tons and tons of people. Just like there's a risk of myocarditis, which is all from the, from the um, Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, also very, very rare, like less than 1 in 100,000 people. So it's not like these are common. It, but it's, and that's where, you know, I think that's when sometimes why the leagues have, uh, have been a little bit cautious with going with mandates, just because of that very low but real risk for some of these players. But um, but honestly, if you've had the Johnson and Johnson, you should probably get um, a second shot if you haven't already. Um, and actually, it appears that the, you can get the Pfizer and Moderna. Um, it's probably going to be harder and harder to get the Johnson and Johnson anyway. Um, and and it's very effective. So um, so that's and you shouldn't be scared if you had the Johnson and Johnson. It's not like you have to be worried you're going to get this complication now. Mm. They happen pretty shortly after. But it is one that you should probably consider getting. You know, your second shot or a booster. Yeah, I'm glad you went into that level of detail on it to sort of put folks at ease. I'm, I'm going to sneak one more in with you here, even though I'm, I'm up against a, a break. But I am curious, um, you know, we think back to previous generations, really before you or I were even on the planet. But, you know, the like my son is four now, so he has to get his standard immunizations before going to school, that sort of thing. Where does kind of what like our parents and grandparents went through in polio and whatnot when the, those vaccines were being invented and, and studies were being done, how does that timetable that previous generations went through for things that we just sort of take for granted 
for immunizations today that aren't a big deal anymore. But now this is so new to all of us who are on planet Earth right now. How does where we're at in this process with COVID vaccines uh, compare with, with what happened previously? Well, it's just a much shorter timetable, right? When you think about the fact that there is a totally new vaccine technology now, it's something that had been worked on for, for over 10 years in anticipation of exactly this type of event, right? Um, so it just there's a lot coming at us. It's moving a lot more quickly than it has in previous generations. Plus, there's a lot more information out there between the Internet and social media and everything else which really, I think, makes all of us feel like we're a little bit in the washing machine on this one, getting spun around and around. <laughs> but it's, it's moving quickly. Um, I don't know. It's quite possible this could be, end up like the influenza pandemic, meaning that even with all of our science, that it will just kind of go away on its own or become more mild on its own. Now, the flu vaccine that we get is for H1N1, which appears to be the, the flu that, you know, the influenza that caused that 1918 pandemic. So it's possible that our grandkids will be getting a COVID vaccine and like their flu vaccine, you know, or that we will as we get older. Um, don't know that for sure. It might end up being just like the common cold too. So, um, so I mean, we're moving quickly. It's probably ultimately not that much different than what we happened before, um, but there's just more out there, more medical signs and more information, and, and we're doing things a lot more quickly than we did. Even with polio, it took years, if not months, to make a vaccine. All right, Doc. I really appreciate the the information and putting folks at ease, and just giving them a sort of an adult conversation about where we're at with things as a society and dealing with this. As always, thank you so much. We'll talk again soon. Well, thanks, Dan, and wishing you a happy holidays. I have a lot of family there in Chicago, so hope everyone has a safe and 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 uh, safe happy holidays and a prosperous new year. Yeah, could not agree more. That's Dr. Bill Maurice from the Mayo Clinic. Fun on the way here. Got some music, some holiday music coming next on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during O'Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 
alright.